This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. On this special episode, I'm going to be replaying a keynote that I delivered just recently on the stage at the Outbound Conference. And in this keynote, I detailed why it's so important for sales professionals to wake up because winter is coming. And what comes with winter is recession, inflation, stagflation, war, a stock market freefall, an energy crisis. Customers that are canceling orders, harsher objections, and a lot of other things that are going to be coming at you when the peanut butter hits the fan. This is also why I want you to go right now to Amazon and pick up my brand new book, Selling in a Crisis. This book is selling faster than any book that I've ever written. It is the velocity on this thing is just absolutely unbelievable. And the reason why is that sales professionals everywhere are starting to feel pain and they're looking for some answers. I really love this book. I rushed to get it out to market. I worked very hard over it on it over the summertime because I knew that people needed it. And inside the book, you'll find 55 short lessons, these really short, easy to consume chapters that give you a motivational push, give you some accountability, teach you a short lesson that will help you sell better that day. And more than anything, will keep you on track so you can actually increase sales when everyone else is losing. So go Go now to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, and pick up my brand new book, Selling in a Crisis, 55 Ways to Stay Motivated and Increase Sales in Volatile Times. And now... This is the keynote that I delivered on the same subject from the outbound stage. I hope you enjoy. So here's the reality. Not a kumbaya moment. The reality is this, is that we're facing tough times. And your job as a sales professional is going to get way harder really quickly. The um, probably the, my my best way of looking at it is uh, is the the Game of Thrones quote: "Winter is coming. Winter is coming, and we know what comes with it." For me, the last time that winter really came, like when I really got hit, was in the 2000, 2007, 2008, 2009 recession. And in that recession, personally, I think John Gordon, he, he alluded to that this morning because people of our age, that was the worst financial crisis we've ever faced. I lost everything. Like overnight, it was gone. I had a big old job. I lived, my office was in a corner office in a really tall building here in Atlanta, flying around on the corporate jet. You know, I had a big old expense account. I had two assistants. I was living large. And then the bottom fell out of the economy almost immediately. I don't think we're in the same place we were then, but I wasn't ready for it. Winter came, but I wasn't ready. When I, grew, when I was growing up in my early 20s, um, I got a chance to live with my grandfather. I got promoted as a, as a sales manager for the Mid-South. So he was living in Memphis, Tennessee, and the, just the, 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 I guess the, the, everything just sort of aligned, and I got to, to spend some time with him. And it's really cool if you ever get to do that. Like, very few people get to live with their grandparents. My grandmother had died. He was kind of lonely, so I lived in this big old house with him, and every night, he was Scottish. He would have a couple of drams, and the more drams he had, the more he would talk. 
And he would tell me all about, you know, everything that had happened to him over his life. But he talked about the Great Depression. And what he would talk about is how poor they were and how he would, as a kid, scour the streets for scraps of wood, anything that dropped off any sort of a carriage or a truck or what have you, so they, they would have warmth in, in the wintertime and they could cook their meals. And what he learned from that is that winter is always coming, and that's how he lived his life. He was frugal. When he died, he died a multimillionaire. He did not have a college degree. He, he didn't do anything that would, I would consider just you know, extraordinarily you know, successful in his life. But he was always ready for winter. And because he was always ready for winter, he was always prepared. In 2007, 2008, I'd heard the lessons. And for most of my life, I had been. But I wasn't anymore. I wasn't prepared at all. I was over leveraged. I owned a bunch of houses because that's what everybody did back then. I had a big old job. I wasn't even thinking about anybody would ever get rid of me. I mean, but it turns out that when the economy drops, you know, the bottom drops out of the economy and you're flying around a corporate jet and you have two assistants and you're living in a corner office, they don't really need you that much anymore when they're making financial decisions. And, and, and so for me, like everything in my world dropped around me because I wasn't prepared. I mean, I was doing what most people think, right? Most people think like right now and over the last two years, even though we've been through a pandemic, like John said, he's had the best two years of his life. And a lot of you have had the same way. I and mean, we had a little bit of a dip, but a lot of us really did well there. My, my company tripled in size in 2020 and 2021. It was, it's been amazing. But what happens in, you know, in, in these, these times, and I'm, I'm having this conversation with you because a lot of people aren't ready, is that we just forget. We forget that winter's coming, and we start doing stupid things. That's what I did. I mean, that's how I got caught off guard, and some of you did too. In life, in nature, in business, in the economy, in the world, we live in cycles. There's a cycle of growth, there's a cycle of abundance, there's a cycle of decay, and there's a cycle of scarcity. And, and when we're, we're living through a time of abundance, which most of us have been, I mean, even though we'd be talking about how hard sales has been, the economy, in, at least in North America, has been screaming right along. Bev, I know you and I have had conversations. I remember at the, you know, when the COVID happened, like, if, can I talk about you for a second? You were panicking. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I talked to you the other day ago, and you're like, we're having, like, this has been the best time we've ever had. We're growing so fast. And, and what, what, what we think in those situations is that, it's us. And we think that maybe we're doing something that's extraordinary. But there's a saying, right? The saying says, in a bull market, right, don't confuse success with brains. It's been super easy when the phone's been ringing. It's super easy to say, oh, but nobody answers the telephone. But if nobody answered the telephone and nobody answered email and all of the questions that we have about prospecting, if all of that was true, you wouldn't be here because you'd all be broke and you'd all be fired. So we know that the phones have been ringing. We know that it's been easy. We know that. But in times of scarcity, when things start to go south, that's when reality sets in. That's the moment, that's the moment when the mediocre start to stand out. And the beautiful thing about cycles of scarcity is that cycles of scarcity exist to clean the slate, right? The weak won't survive. We take them off the payroll. Recessions and downturns and volatility and crisis, believe it or not, are good for business. 
You just don't want to be on the, 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 the wrong side of that good for business. You want to be on the right side of that business. And that's what we're going to talk about. When my kid was young, and some of y'all met my son. He's been roaming around about every 10 minutes. He's closing a deal someplace. But he's been roaming around. But when he was in Little League, uh, there was just one year where we were, he had this team. And I don't know if you've ever been there as a parent, but you, you, you watch your Little League team. You've probably been there. And like you're watching, you're like, these kids are awful. They're terrible. And in fact, you start singing the Bad News Bears like theme song in your head. In fact, I was in the stands with this team actually singing it out loud. It was that bad. And when, we, when we did the draw for Little League for that team, it was like the worst group of kids you've ever seen in your life. So I remember sitting there with my wife and with our friends, because we were all friends in that neighborhood. I'm like, this is going to be a long season. And everybody's like, this is going to be terrible. But we had this coach, a guy named Coach Jody. My wife's still friends with Coach Jody and his wife. Uh, we saw his kid, the other, uh, I guess, a couple of months ago. Uh, but Coach Jody, he didn't even, like, even think that way. He just got the kids and said, here's the deal. Baseball is basic. He said, all it is, is throwing, hitting, running, and catching. And that's what we're going to do. And so every practice, that's what he did. He ran the same drills over again. Throw, hit, run, catch. No complication. Focus on the fundamentals and basics. See, when we're in times of abundance, this is what we begin to abandon. It's relatively easy for us. We're able to let those things go. We're able to skip steps in the sales process. We're able to do all kinds of things and still win. We can you know, not build as tight a relationship as we should be. We don't always ask the great questions. We walk around in someone's place and point out the fact that their baby is ugly, and we still win. We still sell. But, but when we have winter, when we have scarcity, the only thing that has a tendency to get us out of that is throwing, hitting, running, and catching. And so Coach Jody, that's what he drilled. He drilled the basics, fundamentals of, basic, of baseball every single day. And then our first game, you know, we show up. Now, our neighborhood and our, our little league, they had this whole thing. They were doing jazz hands. And all the, like, all the moms were doing the jazz hands. And if you're a mom and you've done this, I, I, I applaud you. Woo, jazz hands, same team. They were all drinking. They had, they had margaritas and like rum punch in their coolers. So we get to the game and they've had a tailgate. Like we get there because we're going to lose. So they decide they're going to jazz hand it up. I didn't know that until years later that they were all having drinks. So we get there, they're jazz hand up. Everybody thinks we're going to lose. And we start hitting the ball, pitching the ball, catching the ball, throwing the ball. We're playing the best scouting reports, the best team in our league. And I remember, like, we're at the fourth inning, and our next runner comes in, and the coach of the other team takes his clipboard and throws it on the ground, and all the kids are sitting around like this, and our kids are just singing, and they're all jazz-handed in the, you know, in the, in the, in the bleachers. And we, we had a winning season for one reason. It wasn't the most talented group of people, right? It was just because they were focused on throwing, hitting, running, and catching. Winner's coming. We know what comes with it. We know it's coming. This is not a, uh, are we guessing it's going to come? Are we predict it's going to come. You are going to face a time of scarcity. And here's the thing about scarcity. You can't stop it. You can't stop the cycle. You can't stop winter from coming even any more than you can stop the sun from rising tomorrow morning. But I love this quote. You can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. 
And essentially, that's what you've been doing over the last few days. You've been learning how to surf. The waves are coming. The cycle's coming. Now take what you learn here, put it into play. You can't control the waves, but you can control three things. You can control your actions, what you choose to do. You can control the choices. You can control your reactions. How do you respond to what's happening to you? And as this, this cycle of scarcity continues to come uh, on us, as we move through this cycle of decay, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to have to react to and respond to. How are you going to do that? I mean, if we think about what we learned from Anthony, power of positivity, if we think about what Cynthia Barnes taught us, if we think of what Allison taught us, the, that, 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 that mindset of positivity, that mindset of being able to bounce back from bad things that happen to you and bad things are going to happen to you. If we think about those things and we put them into action, right, we can manage what's coming at us. And we have to, of all things, protect our mindset. Because in a time of scarcity, the winners are the ones that understand and learn how to rise above it from a mindset issue. Now, one of the things that you have to do as things start to go south and as winter starts to come on is that you need to start thinking about how you stay away from people who pull you down. There is a crabber. Crabber's out. He's catching crabs in his traps. He's throwing them in a bucket. And he's heading down to the wharf where he's going to drop the, the crabs off to a local restaurant. One of the crabs in the bucket says, I don't want to go into the pot. I'm going out of here. I know what's happening. And that crab's coming to the top of that bucket. He's trying to get out. And you know the end of this story. All the other crabs, if you've ever been crabbing, you can see this happen. They're grabbing him by his legs and they're pulling him back down. And everybody's going to the pot all at the same time. They're all going out together. There's a lot of crabs when winter comes. There's a lot of people who weren't prepared for it. you got to stay out of the buckets with the crabs. You also have to avoid complaining at all costs. Now, let me explain this. That bucket of crabs, that's misery. And misery wants you on its team. Because misery loves company. So there's going to be a lot of people around you that are going to be suffering. They're going to, they're going to find pain. And oh, by the way, if they're looking at their, their phone, like for 10 minutes, there's about a million things that you can complain about. But number one for you when winter comes is that you need to protect your career and protect your job. Because it's one thing to be dealing with winter and having to work harder and do better and all the things that we have to, to, to be as sales professionals to rise above all this. It's another thing to lose your job. And right now, there's a lot of jobs out there. So we fooled ourselves into believing, well, if I lose my job, I'll just go someplace else. But I'm already getting calls from salespeople who are getting laid off. I'm already experiencing people who are you know, getting pay cuts. I'm already experiencing pullback. And we're going to start seeing more of that. So if you lose your job in the crisis or in a time of volatility or in a recession, because you're salespeople, I think it's probably a pretty good chance you're going to get another job. But here's what's probably going to happen. You're probably going to get a job that you don't want or don't like. You're probably going to make less money. And you're probably going to sell something that you don't like. That's the probability. So the last thing that you want to do is lose your job. So you've got to protect your job. And one of the ways to protect your job is don't complain. Raise your hand if you're a leader. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to clap for me if you love it when your sales reps are whining and bitching at you. Get one. It was probably David with the money. 
like as a leader, that's the last thing you want to do. You know when you're dealing with a crisis, like as a leader, like you, know, you, you had to cut some spits out. What's going to happen is T and E is going to start getting pulled back. So that little thing that you did with your team, they don't, you can't do that anymore. The, you know, the, the, the company trip, instead of being in Maui, right now it's going to be in Des Moines. And like you're getting all that pressure. You don't want that. So if you're a salesperson and you're complaining to your boss, or your boss is looking at you and thinking, you know what, if I got to make a decision between him and her, I'm, I'm picking her. You're out of here. Stop complaining. Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't. Right? Complaining is misery's mating call. Right? When you complain, you pull in other complainers. You pull those other complainers in, they will eat you alive. They will tear you apart. They will destroy you. And by the way, when you complain, especially if you complain to your peers, now think about this. This is just human nature. Everybody's in trouble. Like people are looking around. Is it going to be me? Is it going to be that person? Like who's going to go? Because you know every third person's getting out of here. If you're complaining and you say something to someone else, they're going to use it against you because that's what people do. Be a beacon of light. Be the person that's, 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 that's offering to, to help. Because this is just basic. When the ship is sinking, there is no mercy for anchors. And if you're an anchor, if you are mediocre, if you are not doing the activity, if you're sitting there whining that nobody's answering the phone and your boss is looking at you and saying your pipeline is empty, pick up the phone. If you're not doing that, you're going to get cut because that's how it works. Dead wood gets cut first. That's just the truth. And it's easy to get fired. Deliver mediocre performance. Don't do the activity. Don't work at it. Now, you may be saying, well, what if I don't hit my quota? Well, it just turns out that 68% of people aren't hitting their quota. None of those people are getting fired, so that's pretty good. You probably won't hit your quota. You probably won't hit your number, especially in markets where it's really bad. But that's okay. What a leader wants to see is a leader wants to see that you are doing something, that you are taking action, that you are working to make yourself better, that you are outperforming the dip. Just recently, my wife and I sat down with Bill and Will. She calls them the dudes, Adam and the dudes. Adam's an accountant. The dudes are the, the, the wealth management team. So we sit down with Will and Bill. And the reason we have to have a Will and Bill is because we're old and we're about, we're looking ahead and we're trying to figure out how not to be old and poor. That's, that's really bad. That's worse than being in the winter and not having a job. So we don't want to be old and poor. So we're sitting down with our wealth management team and we're doing a review. Now, you've seen the headlines, right? The headlines, like the crypto markets are down 60%, 80%. S&P, I mean, every day, but at the time we were going through this, S&P was down almost 30%. Um, the, the, uh, the, the blue chip stocks were down, I don't know, 40%. Everything was like crazy. So we sit down with them, and I'm expecting, like, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to be 25 to 30% down our portfolio. So they're going through the entire thing, and they're walking through what all the markets are doing, showing us all the charts. We're down 9%. Now, I walked in thinking it was going to be 30%, so I'm like high-fiving the dudes. Pretty good. I mean, we're 9% with everything else going on. They were outperforming the dip. And this is what you got to think about. You're, you're going to have a problem. Your markets are going to be different. Everybody's selling different things. But there's going to be a dip. You can't control the dip. But what you can control is what you do inside the dip. 
So if all of your peers are performing here and you're performing here, guess what's going to happen? When it's time to see who is going to go, they're going to go down here. If, if your competitors, right, your competitors, they're doing this, but you're doing this, even if it's a little bit lower, you're winning. You're, you're holding out the, of the valuation of your company. You're contributing. You have to outperform the dip. Don't worry about quotas. Don't worry about any of those things. Just think about what your market is doing. And if you're a leader, you've got to think that way too. There's going to be a bunch of sales teams. In my old jo you know, job, I was the uh, vice president of sales. We had 52 sales teams. Guess what? You're the last sales team in the, in the country. You're probably going to get fired. You're the coach. You're out of here. But if you're outperforming all the other teams, even no matter what's happening in the marketplace, you win. Clap if you're with me. No mercy for anchors. When the ship is sinking, don't be an anchor. So what does that mean? That means that if we start thinking about where we are and where we came from, just reality, it's been relatively, now the COVID's been hard, don't get me wrong, COVID has been a difficult thing, but it has been relatively easy to succeed over the last 18 to 24 months. It's, it's just not been that hard. But suddenly, right, winter's here, winter's coming, and it's going to get a lot harder. And that's the moment, right, when everything is starting to start dipping. That's when all of your mediocrity is going to be exposed. That's when we're going to start seeing who you really are. So in this moment, and this is a blinding flash of the obvious, and please don't shoot the messenger, but you might want to write this down because this is the secret. And I'm, I'm really about this paradox of basics, like these things that look obvious that no one can see right now. Here's the deal. You've got to do better. Now, you see, you're laughing. So you're like, dude, really? You've got to do better? You've got to do better. You've got to do better right now. And you've got to be right now. You've got to be right now. See, when starts, everything starts hitting the fan, right? It's really easy to start looking backwards. Really easy to start having regrets. If it hits the fan and your pipeline is empty, you're going to think about all the things that you should have done. But as you're sitting there on top, top of that pile of should have done, if you don't take action right now, the one thing you can control, you've got a problem. You can start thinking about the future. Well, when all this is over, here's what we're going to do. But the future isn't real. It hasn't been written. It's not reality. The past, well, it's gone. The only thing that is real is right now. And in this right now moment, you have to do better. That means in your heart, and this is what I'm talking to right now, this part of you, that little part in your, in your, in your stomach, that little voice in your head that knows the truth about what you've been doing, that knows the truth about how easy it's been. That part I'm talking to. That part's gotta walk out of this room with the resolve for discipline. The resolve to focus on processes and systems. The resolve to sell at a different level. The resolve to be better than your peers and your competitors and the people around you. The resolve to do better. Warren Buffett famously said, you know this, uh, you know this quote, he said, it's only when the tide goes out that we can see who's been swimming naked. And I'm not pointing anybody out, nor am I going to make eye contact, but there are several people in this room that I know have been skinny dipping. There's a few people on my own team that have been skinny dipping. So one of the things that you got to do right now is put your bathing suit back on.
Because if you go out there and try to sell naked, right, your salespeople are going to, I mean, your, your customers are going to know, right, that your sales game has no clothes. So just put your bathing suit back on. This is really simple. Back to the basics. In baseball, right, it's throw the ball, hit the ball, run, and catch. And in sales, basics, simple. Time. All you got is time, right? It's, it's, it's your pipeline. The pipe is? It's the pipeline. It's managing your own emotions. I mean, just think about this for a second. We talked about leverage yesterday, right? The ability to manage your emotions in the moment. The, the human being in the conversation that has the greatest emotional control, that's the person that has the highest probability of winning. It's being able to understand and get along with people. Think about what Anthony did this morning. You're all talking about, what number am I? I'm still number one, even if I'm a three. But you're thinking about that. How do I deal with people? How do I influence people? You know, I, I love what Amy said. You know, we can, we can we put all this stuff in a box, but I mean, we're still trying to win out here. And our, our job is to get things into the pipeline and move them through the pipeline. That's really, it's just that basic. But we have to understand how to deal with people, especially people who are having to endure winter too. I mean, think about this. You've got business people out there that you're calling into having a conversation with. Even governmental people, when, when, when tax revenues start going down, that's not happening right now, but when tax revenues start going down and they start having problems, you're calling into people, the last thing that, or the last person they want to talk to and the last thing that they want to talk about is buying something. You're going, to get, you're going to call them up and they're going to go, listen, we're not buying anything right now. We're holding off for a while. I'm already having that conversation with salespeople. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait a little bit. And I'm, look, I'm pretty easy. I'm a sucker for salespeople. But as a business owner responsible for a P&L, I'd be really careful. So you've got to learn how to deal with people. But you learned that here. There's a lot that you took away from this, this meeting that will allow you to influence them. And probability. We talked about that yesterday. All the game of sales is, is probability. What are you doing? Amy said this, giving yourself an unfair advantage. What are you doing to bend probability in your favor? And the problem is there's going to be less opportunity. There's going to be less deals. When there's less opportunities, when there's less deals, when there's more scarcity, what happens? There's scarcity. More people want the scarcity. Raise your hand if you bought a bunch of toilet paper during the COVID pandemic. Raise your hand up. Let me see you. Yeah, there's people lying in here. I got, I got, I have, I got a COVID stash of toilet paper and, uh, and, and paper towels at my lake house. It's everywhere. There's toilet paper everywhere. Why did, you, why did we run out of toilet paper? There wasn't enough for the demand. Suddenly, when there are fewer people buying in your marketplace, when there's fewer or less money going around, there's going to be people buying. People buy at the bottom of everything. People were buying in the Great Depression. There's fewer of them. You got to go find them. But suddenly, there are going to be more people who want them. So if you're not better, if you're not prospecting better, if you're not qualifying better, if you're not influencing better, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Your job is, with the few people that are buying, with the scarcity, to give yourself an unfair advantage, to bend probability in your favor. 
I hope you're enjoying the keynote and we'll be right back to it. But I want you to think for a moment how you're going to actualize the lessons that you're learning here and use them to rise above the noise and outsell this crisis, outsell the volatility. One thing you can do is begin to invest in yourself. And one of the easiest ways to do that right now is to go pick up my book, Selling in a Crisis, where I give you 55 ways to overcome this volatility and win when other people are losing. So go to Amazon, get this book. I promise you, you will not be sorry. This book will keep you motivated. This book will keep you on track and this book will keep you focused. So go to Amazon, pick up Selling in the Crisis and now back to the keynote. So we're running a, a sociology experiment on um, how people respond to different environmental stimuli. For example, how do people respond to scarcity or how do people respond to bad things happening to them? And what they were really looking at is just these personality types, so, sort of what, uh, what Anthony was talking about, but people who are you know, optimistic and people who are pessimistic. And, and they, they found some subjects and the subjects they found were a couple of, of eight-year-old boys brought them in, and they set up two rooms. In one room, they filled it up with toys, like every kind of toy you could possibly imagine. And in the other room, they went down to a a local stable, and they just filled the room all the way to the top with horse poop. They took the, the pessimistic young man, and they took the pessimistic young man, and they stuck him in the room full of all the toys. And they took the optimistic young man, and they put him in a room full of poop. And then they watched through some, 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 some of those one-way mirrors. The first young man, the pessimist in the room, they, they observed that this, this young man played for a little while, but then just started complaining, started whining. It's not the right toys. I don't have any friends. I don't like this. It's hot in here. It's cold in here. I'm hungry. I don't like any of this. I just want to go home. And, and truly, they were shocked. I mean, they just, they, it was, they weren't expecting that the young man's just gonna, you know, not jump in the middle of it and be the happiest person in the world. He got a, a, a better room than Christmas. And, and then they, they, they go over to the room full of poop. And what they see, it stops them in the track. It's actually stunning. They look inside. And, and what they see is a, a, a young man who had found a pitchfork that one of the workers who was loading the room full of horse poop with sitting in the corner. And what they saw was like a madman. He was digging and digging and digging. Now, I've been around horses for a long time. Horse poop, once you get starting sweaty, you know, and it starts getting in the air, it starts sticking to you. So he looks like a madman. He's got horse poop all over his face, all in his hair, all his back. He's, and he's going. And so one of the researchers is like, I got to figure out what's going on. So they go around um, the, the corner and they knock on the door. And, and, and he doesn't do anything. And they knock on the door again, doesn't do anything. So he opens it up. Kids, he says, son, stop. Kid's not stopping. He says, son, stop. Kid's not stopping. He says, son, stop. The kid doesn't even put the pitchfork down. Just like this. And he looks back at the researcher. He says, what? And the researcher says, Son, what in the world are you doing? And the kid looks back at him like, like he's lost his mind. Like, what a stupid question. He said, sir, listen, I don't have time for this. He said, you see all this horse poop? There's a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> you got to start digging for ponies. They're out there. Somebody's buying. 
Back in the great pandemic of 2020, in the spring, I had clients calling me, panic, what am I gonna do? Your boss was one of them. Call me up, should we keep doing, should we keep selling? Can we do? Call me up. I don't know what we're gonna do, everything's falling apart. Summertime comes, they're calling me and going, I don't understand this. We got salespeople on our team in the middle of a pandemic, calling on Zoom, they don't even know what they're doing, and they're having the best years of their lives. They're outselling anything that we ever thought was possible. And we got a whole bunch of other people who can't do anything. Explain this to me. I see you in the heads nodding, right? One group of rainmakers, one group of rain barrels. I stole that shamelessly from Anthony Anarino. Rainmakers look at a pile of poop and they dig for ponies. They know there's something in there. They know it. And that's what happened in the great pandemic. They went out there and they found it. They're going, hey, you know what? There's a situation. We're going to fix this. That's what we did. We pivoted our business and did some, some other things. Bev over here, good friend of mine, started making COVID stickers. I mean, they just started doing whatever. They started digging for ponies. The rain barrels are sitting around going, oh, what are we going to do about this? Winter's here. I'm cold. You got to dig for ponies. You got to find a way. And in a situation like this where you got to do better, you also got to work harder. You got to work hard because in the winter, you got to grind to shine. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's not easy street. You got to work harder for all the people in the room who are saying, but Jeb, you don't understand. You got to work smarter. When winter's coming, you work smarter, you're gonna die. You're gonna freeze to death, right? Nobody's getting ahead when it's winter time for being smarter. Everybody who gets ahead is working harder. You gotta get some calluses on your hands. It's not gonna be easy. And I'm talking to that little voice inside of you that's going, I don't wanna work harder, I want work-life balance. I need to recharge. Didn't you hear what Cynthia said, recharge? It's going to be hard. It's going to wear you out. It's going to grind you down. It will be a bad, terrible experience. For the people of my age, I've been through this four times, four of these cycles. And every single time, it's the same. It was worse when I wasn't prepared for it. It was better when I was prepared for it. But every time, it's the same thing. It's hard work. And by the way, this is why winter, this is why the, the cycle of, of scarcity is so good. It's separating the losers from the winners. Because when it gets hard, go ahead. Because when it gets hard, the losers sit down and complain about their work-life balance. And the winners, they get out there and they find a way to make it rain. So you got to be right now. Stop wishing it was going to be easier because it's not going to be easier and make the commitment walking out of this room, all of the investment that we have made into you, the way you pay that back is that you go out there and you focus on making yourself and your teams better so that you outperform the dip. Now, it is a time of scarcity. Don't get me wrong. It's scarce. It's cold. It's wintertime. But there are two things that you have in abundance when it's wintertime. Misery and time. 
I mean, there's a lot of misery to go around, right? Everybody's got something to complain about. Everybody's got some pain. Everybody's got it. The good news is you still got 24 hours in your day to do something about it. So when you start thinking about what you're going to do during the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic, excuse me, during, during the crisis, during the volatility, during a downturn, you got to start with time because that's the one thing that didn't change. 24 hours a day, every single day, you got 24 hours a day and about eight hours of that day or nine hours of that day, or if you're working really hard, 14 hours of that day, that's going to be set aside for working, for figuring your way out of it. The problem for us when we're in these situations is it's hard to figure that out. I mean, a lot of the questions that we've been getting, especially when we started, I started thinking about some of the questions in the, in the VIP mastermind group is around, I got all of this stuff. What do I do first? 37 things I'm taking away from this. What do I do with it? Well, you got to focus on the things that are going to be most impactful. And if you've heard me answer questions, right, the way that I look at the world, this is just me, and I'm not like everybody, but I look at the world in its basic building blocks. What is the, the, the most obvious answer to the problem? Clap if you've heard of Sutton's Law. Nobody? You have not heard of Willie Sutton? Oh, my goodness gracious. I get to, for the very first time, nobody's ever heard of this. Willie Sutton. Willie Sutton was a bank robber in the 1920s and 30s. Willie Sutton. One day, they were interviewing him. A reporter was interviewing him. And he said, Willie. And he'd been arrested. Like, he was going to jail again. Willie. I just got to understand this. You keep getting arrested for robbing banks. Why in the world do you rob banks? And Willie said, because that's where the money is. Basic. And by the way, they teach that in medical school, right? They teach your doctor. When you go to your doctor and you're complaining about something, instead of trying to find all of this complexity in it, right? It's sort of like Occam's razor. Instead of trying to find all the complexity, focus on the thing that has the highest probability of fixing the problem. You have misery and time. Those are the things you have abundance of, time. And if you start thinking about time, you've got three choices that you're going to be able to make about time during the winter. You can do impactful things, you can do important things, and you can do trivial things. Clap if you've heard of the law of triviality. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Let me have one, because I beat it into your head. The law of triviality simply says this. Human beings, given a list of things to do, will typically start doing the things that matter the least and save the things that matter the most to the end. I see your head shaking because you have a honey-do list and you've done that, right? You were supposed to fix the dishwasher and instead, you know, you watch TV because you had, you had to see the game. So that's what we do. That's why, you know, Anthony says, don't start your day with email. We, we have a bunch of things that we have to do. We open up email, like the biggest time suck of all the time sucks, and there's not a thing that's good in email. Like, you never get good news. And I know you're waiting for that, you know, that, that RFP that you were working on, that suddenly they're going to wake up in the middle of the night and send you a note, we're in! But that's usually not what happens. Usually it's a customer. Remember when Brad was talking about being a chief problem solver? Typically, it's your customer coming to you with a problem that you need to go fix. The law of triviality says that it's human nature to focus on the things that matter least while saving or putting away the things that matter the most. So if you just think about that in a, pan, or in a, in a time of volatility, if you think about that, that, that message, 
It's really simple. Your job is to get more things done in less time than anyone else. That's how you outperform the dip. More things done, less time, anyone else. It's just the, 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 the equation for productivity. More things done, less time than anyone else with greater outcomes. You can do a lot of stuff in less time, but if it doesn't generate the outcomes that you, that you need, it's not gonna work for you. So that's why you gotta focus on impact. So you gotta focus on what are the activities that are gonna give me the greatest impact in this situation? What will Willie Sutton say, right? Go where the money is. Where's the money? A beer asked me about, you know, data. Well, I got all this data. I got things I've gotta, I gotta sift through. Okay, where's the money? Focus on that. And for most of you, in a crisis, in a downturn, when winter is here, for most of you, the money is in the pipe. The pipe is? The pipe is? The pipe is life. There are going to be fewer people buying from you. There are going to be fewer people with money. There's going to be a whole lot more people chasing that. Just think about it like this. If you were in this situation, remember the baby formula crisis? Anybody remember that? Yep, if you had a baby, right? If you had a baby, you would do anything to go find that formula, anything. And if you were a grandparent of someone who had a baby, because I know a bunch of them, anything. You would do anything to find the one little box of formula that was right for your kid. You would do anything, find a way, you would do that. That's exactly how you got to treat the buyers that are in a crisis, because there's not a lot of them. You have to be willing to do anything to find them. And you're not going to complain, oh, nobody's answering the phone. You're not going to complain that nobody responds to my email because they're not going to respond to your email. They're not going to answer the phone because they don't want to talk to you because the last thing they're thinking about is spending money. So it's on you to get them to engage so that you can have a conversation, so that you can qualify. It's going to be hard. How many of you ever saw... And I'm not expecting a lot of you. This BBC special called, uh, it was, I think it was Daytime Robbers or Daylight Robbers. Anybody? Check it out on YouTube. There's a bunch of, a bunch of these, uh, these videos. This is one of the most fascinating shows, but it's a, and, and, and I stole this shamelessly from Victor. Um, but there's this show where they were like interviewing all these people in the UK. So everybody's got this British accent, you know, and they, there's gray squirrels. You knew how it is in, in the UK, gray squirrels. Like they're just little like tree rats. I call them tree chickens because I grew up in the country and we ate them. But hey, times are tough. So... So they, they, these, these little tree rats are stealing all the bird feed because people in the UK apparently like to feed birds. I don't know, but that's what they do. So they're, 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 they're putting up all of these obstacles to keep the squirrels out. And there's the, like, they, I mean, every, like things that you can't imagine. I mean, like they put slinkies up. And when you watch the videos, I wish I could show you one of these things. It's 20 minutes long. It's just too long for this. But the squirrel figures out how to get to this bird seed every single time. Every single time. Give me 10 minutes. Every single time. Every time. And they're just fascinated by it. See, the squirrels are relentless. They're persistent. Victor says 24-7. I'm trying to do it the way he says 24-7. Is that little Victor? 24-7. All the squirrel thinks about is bird seed. That's it. And you know why? Because they got to fatten up because winter is coming. Persistence is a meta skill. I had a, a, a guy call me 
uh, we, we clocked in 71 voicemails, 71 voicemails until I finally talked to him. It turned out to be a British guy, must know squirrels. 71 times. And I finally talked to him and I bought from him. I had Ariana, I told the story last year, Ariana from uh, T-Mobile, who sent me boxes of stuff, sent me things that, like for my dogs on Instagram, sent a note to my dog, called me a dozen times, sent me emails a dozen times. I told her no a dozen times. And in fact, I said to her, Ariana, I don't know that if you know this or are aware of this, but we're sort of in the middle of a pandemic and things aren't really good right now and I'm a little bit worried and I don't really want to buy anything and I really don't see any reason why I would change. And she kept calling, kept working it, because that's what the squirrels did. I mean, every angle, like if you watch this video, I mean, I don't care where it is, they put an obstacle up, squirrels jumping from over here, going over, you know, uh, wash lines, going down um, walls, like anything. That's what she did all over the place. She tried and tried and tried and tried and tried until she finally got in. And I ended up buying from her. I switched my, my, my mobile carrier, plus put in dial pad. Like I did all of that after 14 years with the same companies and they weren't doing a bad job in the middle of a crisis. They were doing okay, but she figured out a way to get my attention. She figured out a way to get in. She was a squirrel. And the thing about squirrels is you cannot keep a good squirrel on the ground. I love this quote from, from Mark Cuban. Everyone's a genius in a bull market. I want you to just stop for a second back to these times of abundance, right? We talked about doing better, right? I just want you to stop for a second. See, if, if like some of you have these, like you were on Robinhood and you were betting on stuff, you were in crypto, and like at one point you were a crypto billionaire. I, I saw there was one surgeon who had taken his entire life savings and bought into one of those crypto platforms. And what he was like worth a, a million dollars and then the bottom fell out of it and he was worth like $2. But when it was going up, everybody's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm in crypto. I wrote about that and the crypto bros absolutely bludgeoned me on uh, Instagram. But the fact is, is like in a bull market, you think you're smart. You think that all of the reasons why you're succeeding are because you're awesome. But maybe just maybe the reason you're succeeding is because you're the only person in the marketplace that's got a transformer. Or maybe the, the reason that you're succeeding is because everybody else is super busy and you just happen to answer that phone that day when they called you and you're like, man, this is great. Boss says, you need to go make some phone calls. You're like, hey, nobody answers the phone, but I don't need to answer the phone because the phone is ringing. Let me explain this clearly. I'm just gonna do this in, in a very calm and cool way. In a crisis, in the winter, ain't nobody gonna call you. They're not gonna call. They're gonna quit calling. And some of you are already seeing this, even though you may not recognize it, but your leads are starting to dip a little bit. The inbound's starting to go down a little bit. And it could be sector by sector, but they're not gonna call you. So you gotta go out there and find them. And by the way, all those things that you were cutting, you know, the, the shortcuts you were taking in the sales process, you were transacting your customers, all of those things, that's not gonna work either. You gotta do better, you gotta sell better. You gotta qualify better. You gotta discover better. You gotta close better. You gotta deal with objections better. And the objections you're gonna be getting during a crisis, during the volatility, are not going to be your typical objections. They're not gonna be price objections. They're gonna be decision deferment objections. We're gonna hold off a little bit. 
They may sound like a price objection. You know, it's really expensive, but we're going to hold off a little bit. So you've got to be better in the sales process. And you've got to execute the sales process systematically, methodically. It's there for a reason. Because the better you execute the sales process, the higher the probability that you close the deal. Now, along with this is the fact that you're going to get disappointment. Things aren't always going to go your way. Back in July, I've been working with a rep for, I don't know, four months or so on a pretty big deal. She was selling me. It was close to a million dollars. Really nice. She did everything right. I mean, she did everything right. We worked with her team. We did great discovery. We, it was, you know, we loved them. We, we, we were ready to buy. And we were at the place. I mean, you can imagine this as a sales rep, right? We said, we're ready to buy. Just like that. Send us a contract. And I'm sure she went back to her boss. Everybody high-fived each other. They put the contract together because at that point, I mean, we'd made a verbal decision. Clap if you've ever got a verbal decision. Yeah. Feels good. The only problem is you can't put a verbal in the bank. I mean, just telling you that, right? So don't celebrate those things because you jinx yourself. But I'm sure that they went back, they put the contract together, and they sent it to us. Now, what's going on in your prospect's head with the RFP? They sent it to us. And it was right before 4th of July. And so I, I kind of used the holiday as a little bit of a buffer. I've got some time to think about this, but something was bothering me. And I, I, I can't, like, I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't really know, but it was bothering me. And then we took some time off for the 4th, and my wife, who's the CFO of our company, we sat and talked about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not sure I really want to take this level of risk at this moment. It was agonizing. Because this is what's happening to the people you build a relationship with. When you create that motivation or desire, when you do all the things that you learned here, like if they have to tell you no, it's going to hurt. That's sometimes why they just go away, because they don't really want to face you. I didn't really want to face her, but because I do this for a living, I'm like, it's not right to ghost this person. So I had to make the call and say, we're not moving forward. Now you can imagine if you're that person it had to be gut-wrenching. And I explained it, and she understood, and she did a really nice professional job of recognizing that it was not an objection, it was just the truth. I couldn't put my company on a hook for a million-dollar contract with all of the volatility in the marketplace. This is gonna happen to you too. You're gonna do everything right. You're gonna do better, you're gonna sell better. You're gonna get in the door, you're gonna execute the process, you're gonna do all those things, and you're still gonna lose. And what happens in those situations to human beings, because it's human nature, is that when you lose, you go, well, why should I be doing all this work? I mean, this is hard work to do discovery. Discovery's tough. It's hard work to go through all this process. Why should I do that? And so the next time you change just a little bit, and maybe you get burned again. And, and, and so you change a little bit more. And pretty soon, you're back to skipping the steps in the sales process. You know, you engage somebody, you just send a, a proposal. I mean, you're probably just emailing proposals at that, at, that, at that point. And so you quit doing all the things that work. And we learned that earlier, right? We, we do things that work, and then we quit doing things that work. We talked about probability yesterday and winning the game of sales. It works, but it's not 100%. Every move has a probability. When you start looking at the probability scale in your mind or if you, you know, in your imaginary one in your CRM, that's what's happening. It's moving up and down, and you're going to lose some. But walking out of here, be resolved. Have the discipline to keep the faith. 
The faith that if you do the right things right consistently, that you will win more often than you lose, that you will bend the probability in your favor that you outperform the dip. Finally, this is what I do when I'm in these situations, is I drive without brakes. Imagine that in good times, right, when things are going well, you got a competitor out there. Let's say that the competitor's driving 70 miles an hour, and you're driving 65 miles an hour, and you're about five miles behind them, and you want to take market share, you want to beat them, you want to catch up. If you just do the math, we won't do the high school math problem, it's going to take you a long, 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 long time to catch up. But when winter comes, right, when there's times of scarcity, a lot of leaders, a lot of executives, a lot of business people, a lot of salespeople, they get scared and they sit on the side. They just park on the side of the road. So if you're out here on I-20 and you're chasing your competitor and you're running 65 miles an hour, they're five miles ahead of you and they park, you're going to blow by them in a matter of minutes. So in the midst of all of this, what I want you to do is put the pedal to the accelerator, and that's why we showed you the car video at the very beginning. That's the punchline. Move faster. Be cautious. Don't make stupid decisions, but go faster than everyone else because winter's going to come. It's still a spring. And when spring comes, right, if you've been driving 75 miles an hour and they're parked on the side of the road, guess how much further you are ahead of them. And some of your competitors won't be there when it's over. And that happened in the last downturn. Give it up for our speakers. Put my slide back up there. Y'all stay right here. Put my slide back up there. Here's the thing about selling. When you go back to your companies, the people that work there might not understand the impact that you make. They may not understand that you are responsible for their jobs. They'll probably make it hard for you. You know how it is. We talked about this last year. The internal sell is harder than the external sell. They'll complain that you don't work as hard and you make too much money or you're out playing golf. They're going to push back. When, when times get hard, they're going to make it harder for you. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the tattoo. It's tough on the inside. They don't understand what you do. Some of you had to fight your bosses to come here. Some of you have your bosses asking you. And I have one person said, my boss bought my ticket and asked me to take PTO to go to a training conference. There's going to be obstacles in your way. There always are because you are in salesperson, because that's the struggle. But you know the truth. And this is what I want you to do as you walk out of this room. I want you to go find a mirror. And I want you to look in it. And I want you to, to acknowledge the fact that when we come out of this time of decay and scarcity, you are what's going to bring us out of it. You are the engine that drives the economies all over the globe. You are the most important people in business because you are the elite athletes of the business world. Go look in the mirror, and what you're going to see is a sales professional wearing a cape because you are the true superheroes. Thank you. 
Thank you again for joining me on this special episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the keynote. Now it's time to put these lessons into action. And one of the actions that I want you to take right now is go to Amazon and get my book, Selling in a Crisis. 55 Ways to Stay Motivated and Increase Sales in Volatile Times. This book will help you stay on track. This book will help you rise above all of the fray, all the noise. And this book will help you outsell the crisis. Go get it right now. Selling in the Crisis, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. I'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast. 